Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. You're listening to KCBS In-Depth. Really, in order to find quality care, you often have to be on a wait list that's months long. The people, places, and issues the Bay Area is talking about. The aggressive advocates who were looking to overrule Roe for so long, they really had no idea of the consequences they might be opening up. In this case, there very well may be charges that are appropriate. For example, trying to obstruct an official proceeding of Congress, right? That is unlawful. This is KCBS In-Depth. It took a few decades, but by the mid-90s, the U.S. had managed to completely eliminate leaded gasoline from all passenger cars. An effort spurred on by revelations about the severe health risks from lead exposure, including nerve damage, heart disease, cancer. But this effort did not get leaded fuel out of every engine in America. Even today, the country's fleet of piston-engine aircraft still runs on leaded fuel. Now, environmental advocates, local leaders, and the aviation industry itself all say leaded fuels have got to go to be replaced with cleaner burning gas. But how to make that happen? Well, that's a question that's sparking heated debate, including here in the Bay Area. Welcome to KCBS In-Depth, broadcasting throughout the Bay Area and streaming on the Odyssey app. I'm Keith Manconi. Today in the program, we'll be hearing more about the work being done to get lead out of aviation fuel and the leading role that Santa Clara County has taken in that effort. Meantime, though, we'll also be hearing why some within the industry have been critical of the county's approach, warning that moving too fast could make the skies less safe. All that coming up in just a bit, uh, but let's start at the beginning. It is a complicated debate, so uh, to help us get our bearings, we're going to welcome on first... Ariel Wittenberg, public health reporter for E&D News, who just wrote a lengthy investigative piece on the topic for Politico. Ariel Wittenberg, welcome to the program. Thanks, Keith. So just so folks have the right picture in their minds, we're talking about the country's general aviation fleet, which includes about 200,000 aircraft. Um, they come in all shapes and sizes, uh, but generally we're talking about smaller piston engine aircraft. Uh, let's start with the obvious question, Ariel. Why has it taken so much longer to get lead out of these planes uh, than it has to get lead out of cars? Well, I think p- part of the reason is just, that, as you mentioned, the diversity of the fleet. Um, you know, a car engine from the difference between a Ford engine and a BMW, you know, is is not so big that they can't use the same kind of gasoline. That's not the case um, in general aviation with these planes. Um, a lot of them are very old. 
you know, dating back to World War II. And the one thing that all of these planes, we know that they can fly on safely is leaded 100 octane aviation fuel, which is called Avgas. Um, and that lead, you know, although if you ingest it, if it gets into your body, it's a potent neurotoxin that can impact your cognitive development. But for airplanes, it's important because it prevents misfiring, which can really be dangerous if that happens when you're in the air. Right. So some technical challenges. There's a lot of variety here. Maybe we could also dedicate a moment to discussing why it is important to get lead out. As we mentioned at the top, there are some serious health concerns. Perhaps you could expand on that a little bit and also just talk about how many people are potentially getting exposed. Yeah, absolutely. So lead is a potent neurotoxin. It impacts cognitive development. And what makes it especially concerning is that it's toxic even at very, very low levels. CDC, EPA, our public health authorities all say there is no safe level of lead exposure. Um, and, and we know that right now the highest, the biggest source of lead emissions in the air are from these general aviation airplanes. Um, and, and that can be problematic, especially for the, I believe it's around 5 million people who live near airports that serve these aircraft. Um, and especially mm. we're worried about the kids and the toddlers that live in these areas, because not only are toddlers and babies brains developing really quickly, um, so any kind of contamination can have an outsized impact on them, but also because they engage in these kinds of behaviors like, you know, crawling around or putting their hands in their mouths before washing them. So if if there's lead in the soil, they're going to get more exposure than, you know, a seven-year-old who is better about washing his hands before he eats his lunch. Yeah. So uh, definitely a concerning environmental pollutant. And I think it's been getting more attention in recent years. Um so back to the question of what can be done to get the lead out of this fuel, um, as your reporting points to, there have been a lot of efforts in the works for uh, some time to come up with alternatives, but this has been a very slow-moving process. Uh, why, again, a similar question, why has it been so slow-moving? Right. Well, I think one of the biggest obstacles has really been, you know, the industry-led efforts to get the lead out of aviation fuel have really focused on making a 100-octane fuel. So we want to take the lead out, find some kind of a substitute, and put it in, but we still want that 100-octane level to maintain the safety of the aircraft. Um, and, and, and that's what would be needed for all of those 200,000 planes to be able to use it. Exactly. Right. For mm -hmm. every plane would need 100-octane. Um but actually, 70% of the fleet doesn't need that high level of octane. Um, they can go on, you know, what in the industry you would call a medium octane, somewhere in the in the 90s range. Um, and what my reporting shown is that there actually have been proposals dating back to the 1990s for these uh, medium octane fuels without lead. Um, some have actually been developed and some have just been proposed, but they never were made, made it to the U.S. market, and that's because of something called the ASTM, which is a standard-setting committee um, for aviation fuel. It's, it's one of those things that you would never know it exists until you start mm. looking into this, um, but they're, they're basically in charge of approving the recipe of the gasoline. They, they you know, approve the recipe for gasoline for cars as well, but in this case for aviation fuel, and the folks who sit on 
that standard committee include representatives of Chevron, ExxonMobil, the companies that are currently making and profiting from leaded aviation fuel. Um, and so they have blocked through the years multiple um, alternative fuels, including one that was um, being proposed by Cessna, which is an aircraft manufacturer, and another from Sweden, uh, this company called Hemco Oil. They blocked that from coming to the U.S., but actually today it's used in Sweden. They transitioned to this unleaded fuel. They didn't have any safety issues um, in you know, having a medium and a high octane fuel being available there, um, but it, it didn't make it to the U.S. because this standard setting committee said, no, we just want this 100 octane. We're not interested in a medium octane fuel. All right. So uh, a tangled set of interests right there. Uh, here in that picture from Ariel Wittenberg, once again, a public health reporter for E&E News. Um, this is KCBS In-Depth. I'm Keith Menconi. In just a few minutes, we'll also be hearing about the local effort to push for unleaded aviation uh, fuel that's been taking shape in Santa Clara County. But first, uh, I want to get some industry perspective in the mix as well. So we're going to welcome on now Mark Baker. He is the president of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. Mark Baker, welcome to the program. Thanks, Keith. So we heard there about some of the roadblocks and challenges in the process of getting out uh, the lead from aviation fuel. What would you want to add to that picture? It is very complicated. You know, obviously, I agree that we'd like to see a lead-free fuel being uh, supplied nationally and, frankly, worldwide. And uh, we very much support the idea that by no later than 2030, hopefully sooner than that, uh, as there is one fuel that is actually approved by the government uh, through an STC process at the FAA level, uh, now it becomes important how to get that commercially available. So that's one of the reasons I sit as a co-chair with the FAA to say, how do we expedite the process to go out there and make that happen? It's a, it's an important transition, but it got to done, got to do it safely. As Ariel pointed out, you know, 60% of the uh, fuel Airplanes can use a lower octane. In some cases, a 94 octane is available in the interim kind of period. But we want all airplanes because the other 30%, 40% of the aircraft burn about two-thirds of the fuel because they're doing long cross countries and have uh, much higher horsepower. So it's very complicated. I can go into greater detail when you're ready. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I suppose we could start with that point. Um, you know, if if we are looking for that holy grail of 100 octane unleaded fuel that works on all aircraft, is, is there a potential that we're letting the perfect be the enemy of the good? If we can get a great deal out of the lead of our, uh, out of the fuel that's being used, um, is it possible to take a more uh, piecemeal approach rather than uh, waiting for that perfect solution? Well, we're open to all ideas. If we get 97% of the fleet, it would be something that would be a conversation at the moment. We haven't seen anything like that. I do believe this SDC fuel that has been approved out of Gammy, Oklahoma. Uh, has a potential. It's actually approved for all piston engines at the moment from the FAA. Uh, just needs to get some more exposure into the marketplace and let the market make a decision. But I believe it uh, it has potential. There's some other fuels coming through the PATHI process, which has been government funded for the last dozen years uh, to look at over 200 different formulas of fuels that can replace this fuel. Just to help put in a little bit of perspective and again, supporting the idea we need to get away from it. Um, you know, we have like 99% less lead in the air from aviation than we did in the 60s because the airlines, the military, everybody, including all the autos, as pointed out, were burning a, a leaded fuel mixture, which was once as high as 130 octane, uh, was reduced to 100 octane about 30 years ago. And the only part left is to really satisfy this general aviation fleet 
which is made up of an average of 48-year-old airplanes. Yeah, yeah. So again, just pointing to that uh, complexity that we've been talking about uh, the entire conversation. Um, one more quick point. Uh, wondering if you could respond to the um, implication from Ariel's reporting that there uh, hasn't been uh, that needed sense of urgency uh, within the industry to make this transition, in part because of those tangled interests with the uh, oil and fuel producers. Uh, what, what do you make of that uh, perspective? Well, I have a little history. You know, I've been running this organization for 10 years, but I can tell you that over the last couple of years, I joined with the FAA co-lead uh, to say, let's take over from, uh, uh, instead of just letting this be a refiner review, let's pull all the constituents together. I represent all the owners and operators of general aviation aircraft in this country. Uh, the FAA does the regulatory side, but now we have everybody from the distributors, the engine manufacturers, all working with this thing called the Eagle Group to try and facilitate and expedite the safest, fastest transition we can do. So Big Will is no longer in charge of this. Uh, they're working with us. So it that may have been a problem in the past. You're saying it's no longer a problem? I, I believe that if it were a problem, it no longer can be a problem because we're going to force it through from a market issue. All right. Well, certainly a lot more that can be said on all those fronts, and uh, we will dive more deeply into them in uh, a little bit. But as promised, we want to bring in what's happening in Santa Clara County now, uh, just for some background uh, for folks who haven't been following it. Uh, Just over a year ago, the county broke ground nationally when it banned the use of leaded aviation fuel at its two local airports. Uh, The move earned cheers from many, but also a whole lot of pushback from pilots groups, including the uh, Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. So we're glad to have them on right now. Uh, And their complaints prompted an investigation by the Federal Aviation Administration. Then, just last month, uh, through an apparent breakthrough, the agency paused the investigation and invited the county to participate in a nationwide study aimed at figuring out how to best track a course towards the unleaded future. So, at least from my vantage point as an outsider looking in, it seems like uh, a major about-face took place here, once at odds with the FAA, now uh, seemingly working with the FAA. So uh, clearly a lot happening on the local front. Uh, to tell us more about it, going to welcome on our third and final guest. Uh, she's someone who's been leading that local effort, Santa Clara County Supervisor Cindy Chavez. Cindy Chavez, welcome to the program. Thank you, Keith. So uh, I guess, again, let's uh, try to start at the beginning for this part of the conversation, too, what were you observing and what have you learned about the impacts of lead exposure in Santa Clara County? And how did that lead you to make the decision to ban leaded aviation fuel in the county? Yes, thank you. And thank you. Thank you very much for covering this story. So for Santa Clara County, what happened is that we have um, an airport called Reed Hillview Airport, and we have two and San Martin Airport. Reed Hillview Airport sits on the east side of San Jose, as your listeners know, San Jose is the 10th largest city in the country. The, the, but within a mile and a half of just Reed Hillview Airport live 52,000 people. In that one and a half mile circumference, or I'm sorry, radius, what we have is uh, 21 schools and almost 13,000 children live within that area. So when the county was looking to make a decision about whether or not we would close the airport, permanently. One of the things that we were considering is the health and well-being of the children and the families who live near that airport. Unfortunately, over years and years and years, the city of San Jose allowed for 
um, homes and businesses and childcare centers and schools to be real, built right along the fence line of Reed Hillview Airport. Um, but one of the things that really moved us to move more quickly really was a lead study that we did on our own that really showed the high blood lead levels for children who live downwind and close to the airport. And, you know, because we're in the health business, we recognized that we had to make some dramatic changes. One of those was to disallow the sale of leaded aviation fuel at both of our airports. And that we began in January of 2022. And how has that experience been going so far? Well, it's interesting. We have seen the same level of, of flights as we had before. And the, we're selling the 94 octane um, level, unleaded level of gas by Swift Fuels. And what we've found, we don't know how many people are bringing, um, you know, leaded fuel onto the, uh, our, our different um, airports and, and fueling their own aircraft or flying in with leaded fuel. But what we know is that we've been able to sell almost as much um, fuel year to year over year. And that we think is a very good sign. Hmm. All right. Well, let's uh, bring in the very latest news on this. Uh, the FAA now apparently uh, working with Santa Clara County uh, on this national study that is aiming to find some best practices for how to get uh, lead out of aviation fuel. Uh, assuming you take that as a, a positive turn of events, uh, the investigation over. Well, you know, what they did is they put a pause on it. And what that means is that we're looking to work with the FAA to figure out a path forward that makes, um, you know, creates opportunities, by the way, not just for our airport, but for the millions. We think it's six million uh, families that live around airports across the, the country that we think it's really important that they move forward on this. But where we are right now is in a process with the FAA where we're working together to develop that pilot so that we better understand what the expectations of the FAA are and also how it impacts the health and well-being of the um, residents who live around the airport and also the people who fly out of the airport. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. This is KCBS In-Depth, your weekly deep dive into the events and trends shaping life in the Bay Area and beyond. I'm Keith Menconi. 
Today on the program, amid concern about possible health impacts for those living nearby small airports, we check in on the effort to get lead out of aviation fuel. Joining us for this conversation, speaking with Ariel Wittenberg, public health reporter for e News, also speaking with Mark Baker, president of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, and we just heard from Cindy Chavez. She is a Santa Clara County supervisor. So, uh, Mark Baker, uh, you just heard what uh, Cindy had to say about the uh, county's experience so far. Again, uh, hoping you can uh, provide some response to that. I know that you've been at odds with the county, concerned about some of the uh, possible uh, safety risks posed by this transition. Uh, what would you want to add there? Well, so certainly, Cindy pointed out, you know, we, we're not in disagreement that we would like the, uh, the fuel to not have any lead in its, in, the, in its emissions, period. So it's just really about the timing and doing the safe transition that we have uh, knowledge and have seen already what one misfueling incident at Reed Hillview when you put the 94 into a higher compression engine, either detonation is possible or likely very soon, which is a, a real adverse condition. We think about the safety, and I think that's why the FAA has been aligned with the safety first on this. Well, we find a way to accelerate the transition away for all aircraft to be able to use that public port and they come in and going uh, that supports the Reed Hill View and San, San Martin. I actually used to be based at San Martin, so I'm very familiar with the area and respectful of the idea that we want to get it done fast, but we just got to do it safely. And, you know, there's been other studies, by the way, that this uh, Mercury News I know published a while back that, you know, we got to figure out what this is, but we're not in disagreement that we want it to go away. So two, two points there, um, and uh, I want to bring them both to Cindy. So the first was that uh, Mark is saying that a misfiring incident has already occurred. There's uh, concerns that potentially more safety incidents could uh, occur as well. Um, what has been done to keep an eye on that, uh, Cindy? Yes, and um, and let me just say to, um, to Mark, and I pre- really appreciate the leaning in on the urgency and the speed at which this needs to happen. Um, what I would say that's going to be really critical for us is that we also have a shared interest in the, the safety of the pilots. You know, obviously, we want the airport to run safely and securely. We also have 52,000 people that live right around the airport. We don't want aircraft, you know, landing in those communities. So, you know, that, that's, that's a high priority for us. I do think that, you know, one of the challenges that we have here, and I think, you um, you know, Ariel really pointed to this, and I'd be interested in everybody's perspective on this, which is, I believe that when we look back, we recognize that for 50 years, um, we've, we've banned um, leaded fuel in cars. If we had had a strategy to start to remove leaded fuel from airplanes over that long arc, instead of having these fits and starts, I think we would be further along the path. And so one of the challenges that we have is how do you create a market so that Swift Fuels and Gammy and other um, uh, you know, companies have an opportunity to create a, a fuel that has a market. And one of the things that we hope happens is that we can demonstrate that we can move uh, the 70% of um, piston engine aircraft safely throughout the country on um, 94 octane level unleaded fuel. And that starts to create the market that we so desperately need to, to have available for pilots across the country. I've talked to a number of pilots who would like access to this fuel and it's not consistent. And that makes it challenging for them to be able to both 
continue to do the thing they love, which is fly either for work or pleasure or any number of other reasons and be able to do it in a way that doesn't pollute uh, the environment for, especially for our families and our communities. So I, for me, this feels like we all need to lean in on the market side of this. And I think the point that also that Ariel raised is that there is fuel available used in other countries that is not yet available here is a concern of mine, because again, I think if we lean in and really make this a priority, we're gonna have safe, unleaded fuel that's both safe for pilots the neighborhood and the neighborhoods surrounding the airports. Supervisor Chavez, just briefly, uh, to put a fine point on that, uh, would it be fair to say that you're, you're, you're saying it is the role of local governments such as yours to be uh, a pressure point to um, uh, add more urgency to this uh, process? Yes, and, and, and honestly, Keith, we're obligated to do it. And let me just give a perspective on this from a health perspective. The County of Santa Clara that operates these two airports also operates three hospitals and over 14 clinics. We're in the healthcare business. We have the public health department. This county led the effort, was one of the leading um, litigators against leaded uh, paint in our community. I mean, and so this is something that we've taken seriously for a very long time. And I think have tried through you know, the EPA and directly with the FAA to encourage them for years, by the way, not over the last few years, but for 20, 30 years to, to get this issue addressed. Mm. Well, Mark Baker, uh, again, with the uh, Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, uh, what, what do you make of that perspective that, you know, there do need to be some pressure points uh, in this current debate, pushing this forward uh, in order to make uh, timely progress? So the 94 product is a good product, by the way, for a number of aircraft, although SWIFT's intention is to have uh, their stated and printed intention is to drop the uh, 94 once they come up with the 100. One of the challenges in this whole category is, is it's very small. I mean, the amount of uh, ab gas burnt in the whole country is equal to about three or four hours of car gas. So having multiple pumps from most airports is not a economic alternative. So that's why it's always been the attempt to get one fuel that fits all. And that's the first attempt. And that's what Swift would like to do too, instead of having the infrastructure built up for multiple pumps. And as long as we can keep the pedal to the metal and trying to find a way to get this accelerated, you know, to a fuel that is acceptable to all engines, the faster we go, the better we are. But all we're saying is that let's do it in a smart and safe way. Because I think Cindy pointed out, we don't want airplanes falling into anybody's community. And detonation is a real threat and a real issue. So I, I, I'm making a commitment, as has the industry, to go as fast as we possibly can and take this out of the hands of a few and, and make, a, make this really a whole community effort to try and get this transition done. But um, I can't express how important it is to do it smart, timely, and safe. Well, just to maybe make this less abstract for our listeners so they could understand what are the kinds of scenarios you're most worried about, Mark Baker. You know, if every county in the country tomorrow followed the same path that Santa Clara County did, what 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 would that look like? What, what would be the scenario that you would be uh, worried about there? Because uh, we hear Cindy right now saying that the county took this step uh, over a year ago. They're seeing um, you know, you, you mentioned uh, one safety incident, but they're seeing generally um, uh, flights come and go from their airports uh, generally without incident. And uh, they're also seeing uh, selling a, a similar amount of uh, fuel. So if uh, every county adopted this policy, what might you expect to see? 
be a, a complete um, disaster for general aviation if we went in this direction. Mm. Unfortunately, the national airspace is managed federally, much like the national highway system, because uh, it's for all users transferring across the country and using this ecosystem to be able to use these forms of transport to access communities. That's why it's at a federal level. So that's why we think it's important to invoke the part that the FAA is with the grant assurance. All these, these airports around the country, for the most part, have been paid for by the taxpayers in, in the whole country and to keep that access point going. So you know, we think about all the things that general aviation does from education, training pilots for future airline careers or things like that, as well as in, in the Bay Area, the, the DART, which is a big, big, you know a disaster relief thing, which I was part of out there, which when there's an earthquake in California, in some cases, the only way to access these places is with general aviation airports to, to, to an airport, not the highway bridges collapse and other reasons why general aviation is really important, whether it's hurricane relief or earthquake relief or moving cancer patients and all the things that go on every day. And I, I think it just comes back to, understanding that we just need a little bit of time to make sure we get this transition done. It's not a disagreement about the outcome. So, because we want to keep people safe today. All right. Well, I want to give uh, closing thoughts to uh, everybody before we round things out. We are uh, running a little bit short on time, uh, but uh, closing thought uh, for Ariel Wittenberg, again, with uh, a public health reporter for E&E News. Ariel Wittenberg, so you have been speaking with the uh, advocates pushing for change in the Avgas space, as uh, we are calling it in this conversation. What, what do you think, in, in, as far as the advocates are concerned, what would the best case scenario look like uh, for this transition? Um, I think, you know, and, and Cindy, you know, herself was one of those advocates. I, I think, you know, this pursuing uh, what the National Academy of Sciences called when they looked at this, pursuing a multifaceted approach and not waiting for this magic bullet 100 octane unleaded fuel to get out there. Um, because, you know, for years, for decades, you know, the, the FAA, they are the Federal Aviation Administration. They are concerned. Their top priority is with the safety of the pilots. Um, but I, I think, you know, it's only been recently and, you know, to to some to many degrees, only been because of communities like Santa Clara County that have started standing up and petitioning EPA and, you know, trying to to get the lead out here. You know, until recently, the the safety of the pilots has kind of taken precedence over the safety and health of the communities that live around these airports. Because you know, obviously, we don't want <laughs> pilots or airplanes falling out of the sky. We also don't want kids developing learning disabilities that could be prevented by you know having less lead emissions in the air, even if you don't have 100% of the planes coming out of an airport um, flying unleaded fuel, if you had a significant number of them flying unleaded fuel, that, that would be very meaningful, I think, and show real public health gains for these communities on the ground. All right. And a uh, quick closing thought to you as well, uh, Supervisor Chavez. Um, obviously, the the watchword for this conversation has been uh, complexity. We haven't really even gotten into what it's going to take to ramp up the production and distribution of any new new fuel. Uh, obviously, you know, we've been talking so much about supply chains over the past few years. Here's a, a major supply chain issue um, that needs to be worried about as well. So there's a, a lot of devils in a lot of details. What are you hoping to see in the coming years? Well, one is I think it's wonderful that, you know, that KCBS and other organizations are allowing us to have these more complex discussions with the public because I think it is complicated. That said, here's what isn't complicated. 
We know that very, very small amounts of lead can permanently disable children, dropping their IQs dramatically. And we know that. And we know that um, lead causes all kinds of other health complications for adults. Those are things that we know. We know that this has been information that's been available to the FAA and the EPA for generations now. And that until recently, there has not been the kind of focus that we wanted to see to really address this in our communities. So what does that mean? What that means is that communities like ours across the country do need to reach out to the FAA, do need to reach out to the EPA to continue to put pressure on them to respond. And I think the point that um, that both, you know, both Mark and Ariel, I don't think there's anything they've said that I disagree with, except this one point that I would just really lift up, which is this. We have to collectively decide that it's important enough to prioritize, address, and do it consistently. The number of bits and starts, both with the FAA and the EPA on this issue, you can look back and see it. And now what we're saying is no looking back. Let's get this done and let's make sure we really are protecting people who live around general aviation airports around the globe. So, so that's that's that simple to me. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't have to deal with a lot of complicated issues. Yes, we had to buy extra fuel, fuel uh, tanks and we each local community is going to need the support and help they need and perhaps even the pilots to get the certificates they need and any changes they need. I mean, we're going to need the FAA and the, the federal government to lean in and support and help. But I think if we're serious about the health and safety of everybody around uh, general aviation, we've got to be able to prioritize this issue around removing lead from avgas. We know we do. And I think we have to just stay very focused on it. Otherwise, I think this could be just another fit and start in the history of trying to address this issue. All right. And uh, closing thought to you, Mark Baker, one last time, president of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. Well, again, thanks. I agree with Cindy. We thank you for um, engaging in this issue. It's very important. It's very complicated. But uh, I think from the basic understanding, we all agree. There's not a disagreement, but other than doing it as a safe transition, and you know, maybe we can in, in some areas have 94 and the 100 currently available and the new 100 available as it comes online. Because this is gonna be a longer transition. If we turn the switch on today, it's gonna take years to get this done. And I don't mind having 94 available on the field. It's great. All I wanna make sure is there's 100 available on the field because the risk of misfueling or underfueling is just too high. Uh, and what that could do to people on the ground and, and obviously the pilots in the, in the aircraft is the risk that I ask for mitigating for the near term, but as we agree on this long-term goal. All right. Well, a complicated topic and one that uh, I imagine many of our listeners hadn't really thought about before. So I uh, really thank all of you for helping open a window into this world that, uh, as we just heard, is impacting an awful lot of people's lives. And so uh, and we also expect to see a lot of changes in the years ahead. Uh, one last time, I'm going to thank all of our guests. We've been speaking today to Ariel Wittenberg, public health reporter for e News. Thank you, Ariel Wittenberg. Thanks for having me. And thanks as well to Mark Baker, president of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. Mark Baker, thanks to you as well. Appreciate the opportunity. And a final thank you to Cindy Chavez, Santa Clara County Supervisor. Cindy Chavez, thanks as always. Thank you very much. And thank you all for listening. For KCBS and In Depth, I'm Keith Menconi. Stay safe, be well. We'll talk again next week. 
You've been listening to KCBS In-Depth. Get every episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Visit kcbsradio.com for more news and interviews. We are the Bay Area's news station, KCBS. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.